Um, if you, I, I like the red letter edition of the Bible. Now, this, um, this Bible doesn't have any study notes in it, and it's not a red letter edition, but I, I like reading where the words of Jesus stand out and, um, because we just need to pay attention to what he has said and, and uh, what he's telling us in the scriptures. But there's some things that he said uh, about this one little word. I'm going to take you to it in just a moment. It's the word amen. Um, Matthew, the record of Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, um, this word is throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. This little word is more used than what we know because it's not always translated amen. It's given other words like verily or truly, but it is all over the gospel. Um, we know that the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 has a, now... You know, there's some, if you got a, some of the newer uh, translations, NIV, ESV, it may uh, not have the closing of the Lord's Prayer, right? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But it's, and you already stole a little bit of my thunder there, Brad. Yeah, so be it. Truly, it is kind of hard to translate it because it's, it's really that word. It's the Hebrew word, and there's not another word for it. There's not a word in Greek for it. It's a Hebrew word. It's a standalone Hebrew word, um, just like hallelujah. There is no Mandarin version of hallelujah. They may say, I'm not even going to try to say it like a Chinese person would say hallelujah, but it wouldn't sound like the way we say it. But in Spanish, it's the same thing. It's hallelujah. In Russian, it's hallelujah. It doesn't matter what language because it's a standalone word. It's made up of three words. Hallel, meaning glory or praise. Lu is two, and Yah is a short version of Yahweh or Jehovah. It means praise to the Lord. And it's that in every language. There's no different word for that. And there's no different word for amen. I'm going to take you to um, the first verse. First, uh, we're going to go to this in John chapter 1. But uh, it's used throughout the New Testament. It's all used through Matthew, Mark, Luke. And we're going to go to John here in just a moment. But... If you get a concordance and you just want to look up, how many times is amen there in the Gospels? It's, it's hard to count. You can count them, but it's all over the Gospels. Jesus used it. So Jesus didn't preach in Greek. He, pre he didn't preach in Hebrew. We pretty much know that he preached in a Semitic language, Aramaic. When Mel Gibson wanted to do the Passion of the Christ... Um, he went, I'm, I'm pretty sure about this, he went all the way into saying Aramaic was the language they were using. So he used Aramaic in the, the language in the Passion of the Christ. And so even in Aramaic, it's amen, amen, so be it. It's an exact thing. The birth of Jesus was set 
when past way in time, that was set when he was supposed to arrive and save us from our sin. So when you see that Hebrew word, it means so be it truly, it's verified. That's why it's used ver, uh, verily, verily, I say unto you in some places in John's gospel. It's 51 times in the gospel of John. 51 times. And there's a uniqueness about John's gospel that's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's, there's other things. The first three is called the synoptic gospels because they kind of follow the same way of, of sharing the life of Jesus. John is totally different. He uses the word amen 51 times. But 25 of the occasions, the word is used twice. Where Matthew would record Jesus saying, Verily or truly I say unto you, every time that that is used in John's gospel, it's doubled. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I send you in the first place is in John chapter one, verse 51. And it says, Jesus said this to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. The other times that Jesus spoke these things, John is not adding another amen. I don't think John went through there and says, oh, they said it once. I'm going to write it. All of the occasions where John said that Jesus said truly, truly, or amen, amen, verily, verily, regardless of the translations, he was recording different statements that Jesus made. Now, how is that? Why is it that John recorded things that the other three didn't? Well, according to what John said, if they were not really led by the Holy Spirit and they just tried to do a history of Jesus, this book here would be in multi-volumes. Because according to John, one volume, he even said the books of the entire world, if we were able to give everything that happened, everything he talked about. So what does that say to us about this book? It says that God gave us the exact things that he knew we needed to have. Now we can read through the New Testament fairly quick, but when we're reading through that, we need to realize that everything we have there was selectively chosen by the Holy Spirit, moving upon Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to write exactly what they wrote, nothing more, nothing less. So what we have there is priceless. And that priceless little word, amen, is all through there. I'm going to take you to John chapter 13. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. This is, uh, this is in the upper room. This is the Last Supper. This is, this is one of my favorite. John is, I, I just hate to say it, but John is kind of like my favorite copy of the gospel because it has stuff that the other three don't have. And it has this long, long explanation when Jesus was with them having that Passover meal beginning in chapter 13, and it goes all the way through chapter 17, that prayer that he had with them. All of those chapters is in one setting. It's almost like John did go for broke. Like this is all he talked about all through that last meal, telling us what was going to happen and all the perplexion that they went through. And then one of the things he did that really caught them off guard was he took a towel and took a basin of water and started going and kneeling in front of every one of those disciples 
to wash their feet. You know what happened when he came to Peter, right? Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't, you don't have anything to do with me. And he says, well, let's don't stop at the feet. Let's just go ahead and give me a full bath. But that was Peter. He was, he was always, he would swing the pendulum back and forth. But Jesus had something to say to them about what he was doing. And this is in verse 14. He said, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example. Any of you ever been in the foot washing service? I know, I, I expected you guys to lift your hand. <laughs> there, there was a few in the little Assembly of God Church in Childersburg, Alabama that had it. And I'm telling you, there was water flying everywhere. They, people got to shouting. I don't, I don't really think that he gave this as to, we all need to take our socks off because, tell you the truth, I don't want anybody washing my feet. And you wouldn't want to wash my feet either. So there it goes. But he's washing their feet and, the, and he's making a point. He said, I've given you an example that, it, that you also should do just as I've done to you. And here's the double amen here in verse 16. This is amen, amen. See, you can't really translate it. They just give it a different sound. Truly, truly, or verily, verily. If you have a different translation, it's one of those. The, early, the later translation just kind of calmed that double amen down. But it's right there in verse 16. Truly, truly, amen, amen. So be it, so be it. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. That double emphasis of truth. A servant is not greater than his master. What is the underlying thing that he's saying there, the point that he's making? He said, I wash your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. He's teaching them this principle. Leading means serving. He said, I'm your master, I'm your leader, I'm your teacher, and I'm showing you that I'm not putting you in a place of power to make people serve you. I'm putting you in a place. Now, that doesn't fit a lot of church structure today. Doesn't fit that. I've seen some people carry the preacher's Bible for them and carry a hanky for them and bring them water. And it's almost as though they're just doing this, you know, bowing down. There's something I've never had as pastor, in all the years that I pastored, I've never had a sign on a parking place saying reserve for pastor. I see that and I, I just want to tear it down. <laughs> just what is that for? So you don't have to walk as far? We probably all need the exercise. But that little thing, that just doesn't, that, that just comes across the wrong way with me. Besides, I'm the first one here most of the time anyway. So I park away so I can have a little bit of a walking time. But this is the culture that we're in. We, we, we're not celebrities. Pastors are not supposed to be celebrities. They're supposed to be servants. They're supposed to show the way of giving and working and surrendering status and all of that. We, sh we are the ones that should be in some ways washing feet of people. 
This is exactly what he's saying. Am I wrong there? That he's teaching them, you're going to be in positions of leadership, but it's not to rule people, it is to serve them. And he said, I've come to serve you. I've come to show you what I want you to be like when you're in a position of power. Later on in that Last Supper with them in chapter 14 of John, this is later on in the Passover meal. This is verse 12. Again, here's the double amen. Amen, amen. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. How many of you like that promise? And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Words matter. And amen, amen in verse 12, so be it. See, the... We end prayers with amen, and that's, that was what Jesus did. But you hardly see that, hap, that place throughout the Bible. It's usually in front of a sentence. We don't see it. It's like, truly, truly, it's amen, amen. So be it, so be it. What I'm about to tell you is a rock-solid principle. And this is not, this is intentional. When Jesus is speaking this way, this is intentional. This is, he finished a prayer with amen. And I think that's the way we pray, right? We finish our prayer with Amen. That's why I wanted to see that blessing. Because there's that little word. There's that little word. So be it. So be it. There's one more passion in John I want to take you to. And it's John chapter 16. There's another passion, passion, passion after this. But John 16 verse 20. And what I'm about to read twice it shows up. Amen. Amen. Truly, truly, verily, verily. Verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy, that human being has been born into the world. Now, some of you say, well, I remember distinctly. After the baby arrived, Brenda's not in here. She remembered distinctly when Jason arrived. She kind of prophesied over that too. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your heart's, he's really, this has been kind of a downer meeting for them. He's, he said stuff that's like, man, this is depressing. And he's talking about that this is, yes, this is true right here, but it's going to get better later. You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. Their hearts rejoice after they realize that he was really resurrected from the dead. And no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask anything. You will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father, whatever you petition the Father in my name, this is a principle, this amen, amen, verily, verily, truly, truly. This will happen. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. He's kind of talking about tears leading to laughter. 
sadness leading to joy. Whatever promises he gives these bewildered disciples, it's going to turn for good. <laughs> that, was, that was a tough meeting for them. They asked so many questions. They were so, I mean, when they left the meeting, they probably felt drained when they got to Gethsemane, and then it got even worse. But he was preparing them for that. Those are promises that rest on that little word, amen, amen. And he's told us to pray that way. Not only did Jesus use the word a lot, John used it a lot. Not only in the gospel of John, but he used it a lot in that last book in the Bible, the revelation of Jesus. I'm going to take you to the last church that, that Jesus had a message to. This is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Um, the opening words in his letter to the church at Laodicea was, he, he was, he hammered them. They were in bad shape. They were so out of shape spiritually. But what he says later kind of changes the tone of that. This is verse 14. This is how he starts that letter. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the amen. This is the only time Jesus referred to himself as the amen. The so be it, the truthful one, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. He is saying, I'm the rock of salvation. The church in Laodicea is not healthy but this is the promise. What did he give that church as a promise? We use it in, cha in chapter 3, verse 20 as part of soul winning, but it really was a message to church. You remember verse 20? He said, listen, I'm standing at your door, church. I'm standing at a church that is in terrible shape. And he talked to them about that, where they were at, how far off course they were, but aren't you glad he doesn't give up? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any of you would open the door, I will come in and we'll have fellowship and we will be healed. You will be healed. That's the promise that he gave the church in Laodicea. I stand at the door of your trouble. I stand at the door of your breaking. I stand at the door of your sadness, your sorrow, your rebellion. Everything that's caused you to get way offline, way off course. And if any of you here feel like you've been like way off course, he's, he's for you. It's like that song. He is for you. He is with you. He's, he is reaching out to us. He's reaching out to you. You may not have felt like that. You've heard anything from him directly, but I'm telling you, he has not given up on you. He is that amen. That's the kind of savior we have. We're just in two weeks in 2024, two weeks. And boy, that, that fast is fitting in right good, isn't it? I'm glad you switched that meal to a later date but I want I want to just share and, con and conclude by saying that we have a treasure in this promise the behold he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks and he says if you'll let me come in if you'll give me full access to where you're at there will be healing in your life 
the pain that you have and the disappointments you have, the anger that you have, the self-hate that you may have. You know, sometimes we're the hardest people on ourselves. But he will step into that and he will bring healing and restoration. I want you to stand with me as our praise team comes back. I want to just declare that God's mercy and God's grace is here for you. He is standing at the door of our lives, continually asking us to open that door wider and wider and wider so he can do more and more in your life, in my life. He is not finished with us. There's all kinds of things I can tell you to pray for this morning. Um, Janice Charters is near the end of her journey. She's in hospice care. She's in end-of-life care. Great, great lady in the Lord. Hasn't been here for months and months because of her health. But we've been to see her, worshipped at her bedside. Um, Pray for Larry, her husband. I believe God is working in his life. But there's just a a sense of heaviness there, and yet God is on sight. He's on the scene. And I want us to just pray. We're going to pray for Ash. Ash, I want you to come down. We're going to lay hands on Ash. He has surgery tomorrow uh, from this car accident that uh, his neck is not healing up, so he's going to have surgery. And I'm going to ask for some of you to just come and, and gather around him. We're going to lay hands on him. But there's others in this room that you're in a great battle. It might be physically. It might be in your family. But I want you to come and stand across this front. We're going we're gonna to believe God to touch you and minister. There's battles that you're fighting that God wants to intervene. So just come and stand across this front. Some of you ladies, some of you men that want to come and just stand with these and let's pray for them. Let's believe God to bring healing. Let's believe God, the amen, the the one who is absolutely certain, the one who will not turn away from us when we're at our worst. He's appealing to your life. He's appealing to your soul to open your heart and receive what he has for you this morning in Jesus' name. Oh 
His favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children 
person next to us. Just pray for the rest of this this coming week that the Lord would bring healing, restoration, renewal, wisdom. Lord, I pray for those who are facing decisions. the amen of our lives. You're the one who really is for us. You're not against us. Sometimes we may feel abandoned, but you have never done that to us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never walk away from us. And for those who are in a a place that's really a test of their will, a test of their emotions, their physical being, these days together. I'm going to trust you to give counsel, healing, to break things off, stuff that has kind of attached itself to some, that this will be a week of breaking that off and giving them freedom to breathe and to live and to have new life, to have hope their faith be restored that there be a a time of renewal from the fatigue of battles you are the great I am there is nothing you cannot do in our lives that we need done you are the all sufficient one Lord we claim your stripes for our healing we claim your suffering for our deliverance your resurrection for our hope to give us a new hope and a new power, a new encouragement to be your instruments in our world, our broken world our world, we pray for the Middle East, we pray for Israel, we pray for the Gaza Strip, we pray for the West Bank for the Golan Heights we pray in that entire area for Yemen Saudi Arabia those countries for Syria, Lebanon. Lord, we our world is in turmoil. We cry out for a move of your Holy Spirit worldwide. Um, that the revival would break out in your mighty name, Lord. In your mighty name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I, I don't know if you've heard these, but there's people that have, are on the ground in Gaza that are Christians, they are pockets of revival that are going on in the Gaza Strip. But people, uh, Palestinians coming to know Jesus. Um, it is a horrific thing there. And we have a couple that's in Israel and their, their meetings are increasing. More people, are, the Jews, people are interested in the gospel. So maybe all of this is leading the way for revival in the Middle East. So... You know that you're not going to hear that on the news. If, if it was news, they wouldn't report it. It wouldn't fit the narrative. But um, let's just continue to pray that God would shine light into the darkness there. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn and greet those right around you. Have an awesome week this week.